Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. It's good to be with you here this morning. And for those that did open the bulletin, you will have seen what today's sermon is about. And um, so towards the end of last year, after I got my degree, I asked Pastor Charles if I could at some point share, because the whole reason I got, uh, I, I start, started researching was because of something that started here at Central, and it was for the building up and edification of um, of the Bride of Christ. I, I didn't try to get a degree just to for the sake of uh, the joke that is going around in the office, Master Isaac. That that is not the that's not the reason. And so um, and and so afterwards, though, I was talking to my wife and. And even sharing with Pastor Charles, I realized, I think that was a foolish mistake to ask because how do you cram a whole paper <laughs> into a sermon? Um, but I, I think um, I want to just share a, f- a few things. Um, and obviously from, from the scriptures. I do want to say that I, I understand a very sensitive topic. And, and the thing is, race in South Africa is always going to be a sensitive topic uh, because of the history. So I know that at some point I might be misunderstood, um, and I don't mean that. So please feel free to come and speak to me. I am speaking against uh, an ideology, not someone or some people. Um, and in a sense, I, I do feel... Um, in a sense, privilege. I didn't grow up in South Africa. I come from Brazil. When I come here and I need to tick boxes, I'm considered an other. Um, and so I feel like I can speak honestly and without some of the baggage. I know when it comes to topics like this, I see people tiptoeing or, and, um, but would you be gracious to me? Uh, but feel free to, to, to chat. Um, uh, with me uh, afterwards, if you if you want to, I want to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter two, and we're going to be reading from verse eleven to twenty-two. <clears throat> Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Lord, we ask you that you will indeed speak to our hearts through your word. Lord, may this not be just a time of academics and and knowledge. But Lord, your word pierces hearts. Lord, we are here because your word pierced our hearts. Lord, And so, would you help me? Would you give me grace and humility? Uh, Would you lead us into all truth? In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, what is CRT, uh, also known as critical race theory? So, a theologian um, who has who helped me a lot, uh, Neil Shenvey, he defines it like this, an academic discipline that attempts to understand race and racism primarily through the lens of power. So in other words, when you generally think about racism, um, you think, okay, someone from a specific race feeling superior to um, other races. And that can happen whichever race you can belong. But when it comes to CRT, there is an element that is added, which is power. In other words, it it has to do with who is in control. And, and the reason of this is because CRT comes from critical theory, which is a, a Marxist ideology that wants to um, uh, dethrone the structures um, because of how power is seen to um, permeate or continue the oppression of the oppressed by the oppressor. But as I as go on, this is going to become more clear. So CRT is different people are, 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 are de- define it in, in, in different ways and, and they try to um, explain this is what it stands for. 
and generally they are called tenets, uh, the tenets of, of CRT. And so let me just um, quickly mention some of, of the tenets of CRT. So CRT, one of the tenets is that racism is endemic. What that, what that means is they argue, CRT argues that racism is found everywhere all the time in every interaction. One of the main um, critical race theorists, Robin, Robin D'Angelo, would, would say, uh, says in her book, uh, White Fragility, um, ask not when I am being racist, but how I am being racist. So in other words, every single interaction, there is a power dynamic that reveals that racism is endemic and everywhere and entrenched in all structures of society. And because of that, critical race theory is revolutionary in nature in, in that it wants to bring um, all the structures uh, down. It is, it is Marxist and revolutionary by nature because it sees the structures as, as uh, the, the reason why uh, racism continues. Another tenet of CRT is that of interest con, uh, uh, of oppressed oppressor. In other words, CRT classifies everyone as either oppressed or oppressor. And you are oppressed depending on the color of your skin and you're an oppressor depending on, on the color of your skin. And so uh, because this started um, from the, the states, if you are um, oppressed, um, you are a minority and you are uh, not white, you are in the oppressed category. If you are white, you are an oppressor. And so it cla classifies everyone in those two categories, and, and it, it's irrespective of whether you, you indeed are an oppressor or, or not. Um, another tenet is that of interest convergence, which says that the oppressor will only fight for the oppressed when it benefits them somehow. And, and lastly, CRT gives birth to, because of this dynamic of oppressor, oppressed, gives birth to what it's called intersectionality. Because everyone is classified in oppressed, oppressor, and intersectionality is basically the concept that someone has multiple degrees of oppressed status. And, and where those different degrees intersect. So let me give you an example. So if um, you are a woman, that is considered an oppressed category because you're not a, a man. If you are a black woman, you are doubly oppressed because you have now two sectors of oppression that intersect. If you are 
a lesbian black woman, there is three degrees of, of oppression. And if you are a disabled black woman, that is four degrees of um, oppressed status that you uh, that you have. And and so um, this gave birth to what it's called the matrix of oppression, and it's it's up there. Uh, you 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 want you don't can't see it very well, but it basically um, points to what I, I've been saying. But um, it in its own, it's not just with with race, but if you are able body, you. You're an oppressor. So in terms of even religion, Christianity is seen as a, an oppressor religion because it's the majority. And so as you can see, it has to do with, with who is perceived to be in power. So for those of you that are white, able men, you are on the top of the oppressor list. <laughs> Sorry to say <laughs> that. But this is how CRT classifies things. But CRT misdiagnoses the problem in terms of, of racism. It is, the problem is not necessarily the structures. The problem is not uh, the perceived oppressor group. The problem is sin. Sin is the issue. Look at verse 12, coming back to our text. Paul starts here saying that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He starts, now later he goes on to speak about God breaking down the barriers between Jews and Gentiles, but he starts with the premise, your problem is first that you are at odds and in conflict with God. And what separates us from God is, is sin. See, CRT frames it wrong in terms of even allowing multiple races. Um, Acts 17.26, it says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of the dwelling place. So even in, in my in my paper, I use the word ethnic prejudice because the Bible actually doesn't speak about racism uh, in the in the sense that we understand as multiple races. The Bible says there is only one race. There's different ethnicities, and there is uh, I use the word ethnic prejudice. But what, what is racism? Well, racism is just a form of pride, of ethnic pride, thinking that your um, ethnicity is superior or better than, than others. Now, let me use a, an illustration, and I'm borrowing from a pastor, uh, David DeBrain. And he, he says this, a man decides that, let's say, the white race is 
superior. But then he's not content with that. He will say, well, it is the English whites um, that are superior than the Greek speaking or the Portuguese speaking or the Spanish speaking. But then he's now got to decide what English white? Is it the South African, New Zealand, Canadian, U.S.? And then he decides not the U.S., the South African English speaking is is better, is, is superior. But then he needs to decide, is it the Cape Townians <laughs> or the Houtenners? Or I don't know, other, other parts of, of South Africa. And then he eventually decides, no, actually the, the Houtenners, white English speaking, are, are superior. But now, is it the Joburg or Pretoria? <laughs> South or North? Um, and eventually he comes to, let's say, decide, um, it's Pretoria. Which suburb of Pretoria is superior? And then, even in the suburb, uh, you have that one street of houses that is superior. And then, even when he gets to their own house, uh, he's not content with that. Is superior than all the rest in the in the family. My point here is that's that's the problem of the human heart. It is that considering ourselves better than the others, and it's always going to come down to, in a sense, your individual pride. Sin is the issue, and there has always been conflict between ethnicities everywhere. I know here in South Africa, you know, it, it is generally the, the black and white thing, and, and understandably so because of, of the horrible laws of, of apartheid. But doing my research, you know, there was conflicts between everyone. The Zulu enslaved some other tribes and thought they were superiors. And there was conflict between English and Afrikaans. And wherever you go in the world, I mean, uh, you can know where there is conflict probably um, through through jokes, you know. Generally, there are jokes about, I mean, Brazilian um, people joke sometimes with the with the Portuguese. Sorry, Philippe. Um, <laughs> and um, and and so wherever you go in 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 the world, there is ethnic conflict. And why? Why is that? Because of sin. Now coming to our, our context, there was a huge conflict between Jews and Gentiles. One commentator says, Humanly speaking, the wall of hatred and contempt that divided Jew and Gentile had been strengthened by centuries of mutual disparagement and mudslinging. They were, they hated each other. There was a big division. Centuries of hatred. 
between the two. So the problem with disunity and ethnic pride or racism, the problem starts with our conflict with God. Notice that Paul, before he goes on to address the the relationship between Jew and Gentile, he says, actually first, the problem is with God. The vertical relationship is first. And sin is at the root of our separation, not just with God, but in our separation to others. James chapter 2 verse 9 says, But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. If you show partiality, if you treat others, and, and unfortunately, um, um, CRT actually advocates for, for um, partiality. Because now you have to squash the oppressor and elevate the oppressed. So again, you are just doing a, a reverse of of the it's almost like a constant cycle in terms of oppressed oppressor reality so paul is speaking here that there is firstly an alienation between man and god and it's caused because of sin in crt the oppressor is guilty while the oppressed is innocent regardless a proper understanding of sin should actually cause camaraderie and even grace as it recognizes that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. Uh, a, a scholar Williams points out that we will see, if we understand properly sin, we will see that gut-wrenching malevolence can't be reduced to a color, a gender, an economic problem, it is a human problem. So, sin is the issue. And, and I know that nobody, nobody wants to be branded <laughs> racist, especially not in South Africa. <laughs> but, but let me, for a moment address how we, we ought to be thinking about this biblically. If the sin of ethnic pride or ethnic prejudice, or if you want to call it racism, is part, it, it's, it's, it's part of us in terms of the human hearts, it is not very um, realistic to say, oh, you never have... <laughs> Um, race, uh, racist attitudes. Well, do you lie? Do you envy sometimes? Do you struggle with lust sometimes? Yeah, don't we? So, it is very realistic to think, actually, sometimes I may think that, hey, the Brazilian people are a bit superior on this, maybe comes through soccer or something. <laughs> but but what what I'm trying to say is you need to address it as sin. 
And, and, and so it is not to say that, oh, it is completely eradicated once the laws of apartheid ended. It's in our hearts. It has nothing to do with the laws. It's in our hearts. And so you and me as, as Christians, we are to be fighting against all kinds of sins constantly, all the time. And, and it's, it's not to, to kind of shame us or, or anything like that. I'm just saying the fight against this sin is as with any other sin. That you need to be aware of. Not just neglect or, or think it, it doesn't happen to me. But what is the solution? It's, it's Christ. Christ truly unites us. Look at verse from 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So Paul is here speaking about a wall that was present in the temple. And it read, it had a warning there. No foreigner is allowed to enter within the balustrade surrounding the sanctuary and the court enclosed. Whoever is caught will be personally responsible for his ensuing death. There was a wall to the Gentiles. Jewish Jewish, um, people could go in, but... Um, foreigners, Gentiles, could not. And what Paul is saying here in its immediate context is, is Christ has broken down that wall and has given Gentiles access to Him. Through what Christ has done on the cross, Gentiles can now be reconciled. But notice as well, peace and true reconciliation amongst first Jews and Gentiles, but amongst ethnicities, is not dependent on laws, it's not dependent on winning the World Cup, even though that was great. (laughs) Some of those things unites us, but only superficially. True reconciliation is dependent on the person of Christ. Paul is actually emphasizing he himself is our peace. On the cross, Christ broke down the wall of hostility. He has brought now Jews and Gentiles together. If you repent and trust in Christ, you you have... um, Reconciliation first with God and then we want with one another. You are saved and brought into the family of God and you are part of a new race, the Christian race. See what he's, he says there in <clears throat> um, 
Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinance that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So critical theory vision of identity will bring the world's enmity into the church. Because contemporary critical theory insists that our status as individuals is inseparable from our group membership. In other words, CRT sees you not primarily as an individual, but but as part of a group, whether that be an oppressor group or an oppressed group. Because of this, the church can no longer be seen as a single body united under the Lordship of Christ. Instead, it will have to fracture along the lines of race, class, and gender. We will have to approach each other, not strictly as brothers and sisters in Christ, but as oppressed Christians and oppressor Christians. Can you imagine that? This seismic, schematic, and ultimately heretical shift in our view of fellow believers will have catastrophic consequences for Christian unity. And so, and, and, and to be completely honest and blunt, uh, I have seen that once this worldview is adopted, if I can be blunt with you, what it produces is white guilt and black inferiority in the context of South Africa, I'm speaking. And so what, what Paul is saying here is we have a new identity in Christ that supersedes your ethnicity. It doesn't say that your ethnicity is gone. No. N- neither, um, not, not to say that they, I'm stopped being Brazilian or you stop being, um, Afrikaans or Zulu or Kosa. But it means that our Christian identity comes first. Now, I want to give you two examples of how it, it um, deforms our theology once we adopt here. And, and the, this uh, uh, critical race here and, and that point of view. Let me read from James Cohn. Um, Larry, if you can put it up. He is uh, the father of black liberation theology. But look at what he says here when he puts your ethnic identity on top of your Christian identity. I I still regard the Bible as an important source of my theological reflections, but not the starting point. The black experience in the Bible together in dialectical tension serve as my point of departure today and yesterday. The order is significant. I am black first, and everything else comes after that. This means that I read the Bible through the lens of a black tradition of struggle, and not as the objective word of God. That's the danger of of adopting uh, worldview the like that. You're putting the identities in the wrong place around. Another one. Uh, and this is from our friend Angus Bakken. Everybody is welcome, as always, to our meetings. But this time, the emphasis will be on the African nation. We are going to call out to God, remembering that only two nations in the world have been 
in covenant with God, with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They are the Jewish people and the Afrikaans people. That is fact. Now, I don't know if you read your Bible and saw somewhere about the Afrikaans nation in there. Uh, I do want to say that he later apologized for, for that statement. But what, what made him say those things? It is a, a wrong identity placement where your Christian identity is put second. God doesn't erase ethnicities. When Paul says there's neither Greek, Greek nor Jew, doesn't mean that they stop being Greek or Jew any more than to say that Paul was erasing the categories of male and female. Remember, he uses the same in, in the same verse. There's no male nor female. He, he, he's saying that our identity in Christ precedes that. He's not erasing ethnicities or saying you must be completely colorblind. Now, if you mean by colorblind that you will treat everyone with the same respect, then great, I'm with you. But if you mean that we're all gray, no, I don't, I don't agree. <laughs> to use another illustration, it's almost like saying to God, um, it's, it's not to God, it's almost like saying, come to my garden and see all my gray flowers. No, God has created us differently, with different colors and, and, and all of this, and it is absolutely fine and precious and wonderful to, to, to simply say, oh, we're all gray, there's no color. That's, that's also not what God is saying, because He's saying in Revelation, He's gonna bring people from every tribe and nation and tongue, and, and that means we're gonna look differently. But we are first Christians, then whatever, whatever. I'm first a Christian, then I'm a Brazilian. Christ created a new man instead of the two. I I can tell you now, I'm closest in intimacy with Jabu than with a Brazilian unbeliever. We have much more in common and our friendship goes much deeper because of Christ than if I were to to meet a Brazilian unbeliever. And verse 18, For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. In other words, that which unites us, the Spirit of God who is in us, has given access to the Father, we have something really deep. We share something really amazing together as the people of God, no matter what you look like. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are members of the household of of God. I want to, to quote um, this pastor again. And, and the point here is, as we look to the cross, our pride should fall. Listen to this. Look who is it on the cross. There on the cross is the most superior man who's ever lived. 
You want supremacy? There it is, the perfect man. The sum total of what anyone could wish to be. Perfect humanity. Now compare yourself to him. Is your pride still standing? Look more closely. That perfect man is being oppressed. He's been hated. He's been despised. And the hot water of human hatred and injustice is pouring over him. And what's coming out of him? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He is there voluntarily. Imagine God the Father taking us by the scruff of the neck and taking us to the cross and and say, Look at my son. You don't get to look away. Look at him. He's perfect. He's the apple of my eye. We've loved each other eternally. And he's there for you. Though your puny nails are not keeping him there. Our divine keep, our divine will keeps him there. He's a voluntary sacrifice for you. Now creature, tell me about your entitlement. Tell me what you deserve. Tell me what people owe you. Tell me creature, but all your resentments and your injuries. Look at my son and tell me. If you meditate on that cross, pride must die. We look the way that we look because God created us like that. You have nothing to be proud about. Think about it. We have nothing to to boast about. We are, and as we look to the gospel, we realize we are all on the same boat. All have sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Christ dies in our place. And we are given salvation by grace. Not by works. We preach this all the time. So what reason have we to express any kind of pride? If all that you have has been given to you by grace. We ought to look at, at the gospel. It is, it is Christ who makes us truly one. So maybe... One last, one last point. Some practical applications. There are two extremes that I have found in South Africa. And I've been here now 14 years. And, and I want to caution you of these two extremes. In terms of when it comes to race, there is the one extreme that constantly wants to talk about it. And it is all about race and race and race. Um, I came across during my research of an African-American abolitionist uh, called uh, uh, Frederick Douglass. And he said something very interesting. He said, there is a particular people 
that wants to continue to fester the division between, and, and I'm quoting here, you know, the Negro race and the white race, because their jobs depend on it. They don't want to move on or see any progress in, in terms of ethnic reconciliation because they have found uh, that their, their job will be on the line if there was actually healing. There is sometimes uh, obsession with diversity. Shailene, in his book, New Reformation, says... Ethnic diversity is not virtuous in and of itself. Hell is also a very diverse place. But Lynn goes on to further explain that the beautiful diversity a church experiences is because of the union in Christ. The most glorious expression of ethnic diversity is a redeemed humanity united around the beauty of Jesus Christ. Whose blood ransomed people from God, from every tribe, language, people, and nation. So that's the one extreme. The other extreme is, let's never talk about it. This is a thing of the past. When Mandela came to <laughs> the presidency, it ended there. Let's just not talk about it. Is sin still in our hearts? Or did, did it stop? And, and so, no, sometimes we are going to have to, to talk about it. And so, if, if it happens to someone here, a brother in Christ, actually the Bible says you need, you need to call them out in grace. This is what Paul does to Peter. When Peter feels superior in Galatians chapter 2 and doesn't want to sit with the uncircumcised and wants to just be with the Jewish crowd, Paul says, you're not acting according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, at some point, if it happens, you need to, we need to have a chat because sin needs to be addressed. Secondly, we have <laughs> the tools, in a sense, brotherly dialogue. Because the Spirit of God is within our hearts, brothers, we truly should be loving one another greatly. And that we are able to have these conversations And, and I, I really mean loving one another. Now, just take, just take race and ethnicity out of the picture for, for a moment. What does God call us to do? To love one another. And, and I, 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 I want to, to see like deep love and, and, and friendships in Christ in this, not just superficially, not just to say, oh, look at our church, how diverse we are, but you don't have the, a clue where the, the other person stays or, 
or talk to them or anything like that. No, we, we, we ought to love deeply. And, and just practically speaking, I find, just, I, I enjoy pastoral visits. When you're in someone's home, there's a big connection that develops. I want to encourage you to do that. To get into each other's homes. Lastly, it works. Christ truly does unite us. And I see it at Central. I, I see number of relationships that is not just a superficial one, but true friendships and, and love between brothers from different ethnicities because of Christ. Not because some engineered kind of things and quotas and whatever, whatever. No, Christ unites us. He does, he does something much deeper than what any kind of human engineering could ever achieve. He truly makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus does unite us. It works. And, and that's my encouragement to us today. It is not a, a discouragement. It's to trust Christ for more and more love between His sheep. We don't need CRT. Someone used the example of, you know, People have advocated, even in some Christian circles, like, oh, CRT is a helpful tool to address this. And someone equated it to saying, you know, could you kill a fly with a hammer? Yeah, you probably could, but you're going to do way more damage. (laughs) We don't need this tool. We don't need CRT. Christ brings about... True reconciliation, first with God, and then between us. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I thank you because He has made of us, a new man, has given us a a new identity in Christ. And we are so blessed to be here in in South Africa and have heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and even in, in this room have people of different ethnicities and nationalities united in the worship of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who saved us. And reconciled us to God and to one another. And so Lord, I, I pray that where pride in our hearts has crept in, that you would, that you will help us to repent of that, that, that you would remind us of the grace that was given to us, Lord. Increase and help in our love for one another, Lord. And Lord, we know it is not easy. It's not hard. It is, it's not easy. It's hard. We sometimes come from completely different backgrounds, different ways of doing things. 
thank you that Christ is bigger than our differences. And so, uh, continue to bless Central Baptist Church. Continue to help us to be defined by our identity in Christ. I pray this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.